0: All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Broadcast, episode 127. And we got a good one for you, people. We're going to break down episode five and six from The Last Dance. We got a lot of things to say about that. And we also have an interview with our boy Mikey from Official NBA Buzz. We're going to talk about building your brand on social media. We hope you enjoy it. So follow through with clips and Drew, Drew, kick that intro music.
1: Excuse me, I didn't mean to interrupt like Mount Vesuvius. I'm about due to erupt. Use it or I'm losing it. They say I need to loosen up. Tight, I'm well taught. I must do the max like us. I do have something to say, so you got to give it up. Give it up. Yeah.
2: what up broadcast world what's up everybody
0: you know what it is you know where you're at it's the follow-through with clips and drew the true players broadcast episode 127
2: and this is gonna be a good one we got a pretty dope interview for you guys at the end how you feeling drew i'm in the malaise right now i think i'm in a i'm in the cloud of quarantine
0: the quarantine cloud
2: yeah i don't have a lot of energy in general these days really yeah did you have some before i had more energy before (laughs) but uh, yeah it's just been weird i don't know i'm you know Trying to do the workouts and stay active at home and all that. Sucks. Yeah, I did that. You know, I've been doing that for a couple weeks, but yeah, just just in a weird weird malaise today.
0: I'd like to compare it. I'd like to compare it to, you know, I'm watching a lot of Sopranos. I told you, I'm knocking out.
2: Yeah, you're getting into Sopranos. Well, I'm watching
0: it again. I've seen. I've already seen it, but it's been a while, so I'm addicted to Sopranos. It's a a great show. It's it's one of the greatest. Yeah, Uh, it's amazing, and I'm almost done. I got four episodes left, and this is how I'm comparing my quarantine life. Coming into quarantine. I was Tony Soprano, season one. Okay, big, broad shoulders, sexy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Handsome. Sure. And right now I'm Tony Soprano, season six. Yeah. Right now where everything's going to shit. <laughs> the ZD, the Penne, the Gabagool. Yeah. Is just catching up to him, and you could tell. You could <laughs> you could smell the cold cuts coming out of his face. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm feeling like right now. I'm doing my walks every day. I'm doing my in-house workouts. But when you're not hooping four days a week, three days a week, and you're and you're our age and you're my age, it shit catches up to you, dude.
2: Yeah, the cardio is the toughest, right? Because I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to run around the the block. No, I'm not going to. I mean, the walking is nice, and we, you know, I do that occasionally. It but, is nice. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just it would be great if 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 I could just shoot, mm. just go down and shoot some free throws, even anything. That would be great.
0: Anything. I just want to get a sweat going. Yeah. I wore a sweatshirt today for my walk just to get a stretch. Oh, there you go. It's beautiful where we live. We got the beach right here. People are allowed back on the beach right now. You can't stay for too long, though. You can get in the water. Yeah, you're not supposed to, like, hang out. You're supposed to be, like, active. Yeah, you're supposed to be kayaking or, or whatever people do in or, waters. Right. I don't think you're supposed to go and swim. Like, you can't hang out on the beach and, like, You lay can't out. hang
2: out on the beach, but you can go swim and then leave. Like, that's, oh. that's kind of the idea. There's, like... You're not supposed to do any sunbathing. No, or, or and I'm pic- not doing that anyway. No picnicking on the beach. <laughs> um, but we're eating well, at least. Yeah, that's, I mean, that is the truth. I'm eating a lot. That's that's something that's happening. But uh, I always get charged up now every Sunday. That's that's really what I look forward to is is the last dance. And it's weird how quickly these Sundays are coming. Feels like, you know, it, it's long and it's also short. I don't know. It's It's a weird paradigm that I'm dealing with right now. It's like I turn around. And it's Friday, and I'm like, "Oh shit! Last dance is in two days," and then and then it's gonna be over. Yeah. Got, I, we well, have... that's the problem. Is like once it once it is over in two more weeks, uh, then I guess who's gonna be watching South Korean baseball? <laughs> this guy, this guy over who's here. Your,
0: who's your team in South Korean baseball? Well,
2: there's, there's I was watching yesterday. They did, they had the opening day. Um, <laughs> of course, you yesterday would. or two days ago, I think it was, <sighs> and. Um there's a team that's just called Samsung. So that's that's my squad. I'm gonna go with not the, the Samsung Vipers or no, something. Just no, Samsung. It's just Samsung. And uh yeah, I'm going with them. So okay. that's that's the team I'm riding with.
0: If anybody is in to North Korean baseball, holler at South Drew. Korean. South Base- Korean sorry. North Koreans, dude, that's, and, they oh play, yeah, we can't do that. There they is play, no baseball. They play
2: cricket up there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the last dance, everybody's talking about it. It was episode five and six, right? It was episode five and six this week. A lot of shit pissed me off in this one, Drew.
2: Well, yeah, this was, this was a good one. I think that we are actually finally in these two getting some real behind the scenes looks at some of the stuff that we hadn't already known necessarily. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Like, obviously, well, there's, not, there's a not... lot, there was a lot that was dis- that was uncovered in, in, in these two episodes.
0: It's funny because I hit Drew up as soon as it was over at whatever at 830. And I said, yo, can we record tomorrow? Because I'm hot. I got a lot of shit I want to say. But before we get into that, let's talk about the cool shit. Okay? Kobe, dedicated to Kobe. Oh man. Starting with that ninety it was the ninety eight uh, uh, all star game. game. yeah. And it's funny, what I took away from this, the first thing I took away, was Mike already had his target on Kobe. That's what he was talking he about. He was aware in the of him, room. yeah. He was aware and he and he, he was very aware of his name but called him the kid, called him the Laker boy. The
2: Laker kid, yeah. Okay.
0: Didn't want to show him his didn't want to give him the props yet. Not yet. And was kind of dissecting exactly what he's gonna do. He already said this. This little kid's gonna go one on one the whole time. That's all he's gonna do. I saw the whole game, already talking shit, right? Yeah. And just the dynamic of, and they dedicated that episode to Kobe, which I thought was great. And even Kobe was interviewed, short interview for this one. But I also like the fact that you know Larry was Michael's coach. Yeah, Magic came into the locker room. Yeah, and Mike was just stayed talking shit the whole time.
2: Oh yeah, you know, <laughs> that's. I mean, that's that's kind of the the way that these two episodes presented Michael is that he's kind of a shit talking asshole. Like, and, and I, I mean that in, in kind of a endearing sense, like every most, most people have friends like this that are running their mouths all the time. They can't help themselves. They, they want to be right all the time, but they also just want to crack jokes and, and try and get under your skin. And so like, I, I think Mike would be annoying to hang out with, but also like, are really cool to hang out with at the same time. Right. I mean, the problem is, is that you don't know when he's going to just fucking go off on you and uh, try and tear you to shreds uh, or make fun of you until you're really uncomfortable. Uh, but <laughs> that's, that's the, that's the side of Mike that I had, I wasn't too familiar with. I mean, we had heard about the way he interacts with his teammates. Um, but even like in that scene where he was trying to force Scotty onto the bus so they, so they can go the to their tea time at the end there. Like, that's a real insight into the way that Mike was. It's like, yo, no, no, I'm sorry. We're doing this. This is what we're doing. And then also, the biggest thing for me was um, Mike kind of lived in quarantine for a lot of years. And we're, we're going through quarantine right now for a couple months. But Mike had to live that life, you know, for the most part in quarantine. Like, you can see the moments that he has downtime. It's just like him on a couch in a room. With a cigar and and the television on like that was his sanctuary that was like his only reprieve was when he could do shit like that and then the other ways was to get out and go golfing and go gambling with his friends
0: you know we it, it is when michael said before this came out that he said a lot of people are going to think i'm an asshole or a horrible person and i totally understood after watching five and six why I've heard the stories, I've read the books, I've done all that, but before we get into the asshole Mike really fast. Another thing I wanted to bring up about that All-Star game, him rocking the Jordan 1s. Yeah. Right, feet bleeding through Madison Dro- Square Garden. Garden, the first shoe he wore at the Garden. And it was funny cuz then he had a pair, I think it was it was the 12s or the the 13s that he had on the table. And he's like, man, this, you know, uh, the way shoes are made has come a long way. Right. Because he bled through through those shoes. Right. Imagine trying to play in those right now. No way. Um, I have I, a
2: pair of those. And that, that just seems you're not so playing awkward. In those. It's like when I think about the, the old school Converse uh, canvas shoes that the, the kids in the 60s and yeah. 70s had to play in. It's like, how the fuck did you guys, like my dad had to rock those right. when he was hooping. I was like, how the hell did you guys make any kind of athletic moves? In these.
0: But at the time, those were those were the ones
2: cutting edge, right? Cutting. They, they were cutting
0: edge. And shout out to Mama Jordan too for yeah. setting up the Nike deal. What a boss!
2: Yeah, right. Yeah, you got to feel a little bit bad for Adidas. Uh, they didn't
0: come. They didn't come correct.
2: Though. Yeah, they didn't have everything in line. It looked like at the time that they just, you know, structurally as a business weren't in the in the position to make that move. I just, you know, you got to feel bad for them because if if whoever was in charge at, at Adidas recognized it with this could have been a whole different story. It would have been the whole point was we're not going to
0: make you a signature shoe. Right. And so that's what they wanted. And David Falk obviously was a, was before his time taking the tennis players, you know, merchandising them, getting their own rackets and their own shoe. I mean, Stan Smiths were a very popular shoe back in the day. Yep. And Nas said it best, like going with Nike, by the way, normally a big deal would be a hundred thousand dollars. They gave Mike 250,000. His mom says, you're going to be stupid if you turn this down. And like Nas said, though, is most shoes stayed the same. Like Jordan went with the culture and like changed yeah. all the time. And again, having a guy like Michael Jordan, Jordan, tall, dark, handsome, fashionable, you know, played, you know, above the rim and made it really easy to market anything. Right. Batteries, hamburgers, Cokes, anything. like yeah. didn't matter. But shout out to Mama Jordan for doing that. Um. I kind of want to get into the asshole part. Yeah. Okay. Because there was a few things that, just
2: They just sat wrong with me, dude. Okay. Did you have a problem with uh, the whole Isaiah Thomas stuff?
0: Oh, I had, a, I had a major problem with that. And that's going into, first of all, like when you were saying, you know, Michael was living in quarantine. This all like really started after the 92 Olympics when he became like a global icon. Right. It was like traveling with the Beatles. We've all seen the footage. The guy could not go anywhere. And like you said, hotel, bus, game, bus, hotel. Hotel, bus, game, bus, hotel. Right. When other players, BJ Armstrong can go out and do something.
2: Yeah, he can go shopping yeah. on, on the Champs-Elysees. John, John Paxson can go out shopping. Yeah, exactly. And
0: even there's the, there's the iconic video of John Stockton with his family in Barcelona filming with yeah. his
2: short shorts. He's like a normal tourist. Normal tourist.
0: And like he stops and asks somebody, are you guys watching the Dream Team? And she's like, yeah, we can't wait. Michael, Michael Jordan. Michael <laughs> Jordan. And it's like John Stockton standing right in front of right. you. And they have no idea. No, they have no clue. Um so i get it and yeah there are sad moments where it's like uh you know jordan's stuck with the you know with the security guards yep and that's he wanted to you know play around that one security guard went super viral this week with the shrug
2: that guy's hair was epic unbelievable he
0: sounded like a hustler though
2: yeah i think he he i I don't know who created that quarter game but it sounds like that guy did
0: What's crazy is Mike wants in. Like,
2: if there's money on the table, Mike wants in. Let's let's see who can throw the quarter closest to the wall without hitting the wall. That's how bad it got for Mike. <laughs> Must have been boring in
0: those locker rooms. I mean, sometimes. I bet
2: he looks around now and like w- just wishes that he had a, a iPhone or you know some mobile like video system that he could rock. You know, just I'm, it, I'm just talking about like in passing time, right? In general, like Mike had so many hours where he was playing that quarter game with a fucking a security guard instead of playing, you know, Fortnite on your phone or some like shit like, like, now. like you know, like the twenty-two year olds in the NBA are doing now. I bet he, I bet he wishes he could have some of the, could have had some of that technology. Oh yeah, during those times, you know. Well, and
0: there's online gambling. So that's, it yeah, been that's fine. my point. So let's just jump into that before we get into Isaiah. Thomas. Okay, it's notoriously known that Michael was a gambler. Okay? Yeah, it didn't get on like the global scale until the '93 Eastern Conference uh, Finals, the Atlantic City, Atlantic
2: City trip. Atlantic
0: City trip. Michael goes and gambles in Atlantic City, says he's home by twelve thirty, you know, with his pops and his friends, took a limo. I don't see anything wrong with it. Sure. Right? A lot of people did at the time. And they blew it up way out of proportion.
2: Yeah. I mean I, I if just thinking about it from a from a fan's perspective, if LeBron was in Vegas the night before we had game two coming up and we had lost game one, that would still make headlines, right? It's the same kind of instance. I would not be thrilled as a Laker fan to hear that news, right? Even if the game was in fucking L.A. and then LeBron was out until you know two thirty in the morning in L.A. the Mm -hmm. night before a big game. That's that's you know that's that's not the best news that you want to hear as a fan. However, we're dealing with a different individual, right? It's 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 all got to be framed in relevance because Michael could do that and still come back and drop fifty five points. It's not like it did affect him, like in the same way that it would have affected, like someone like Dennis Rodman, for instance, right? Dennis goes to Atlantic City for one night. Maybe Dennis doesn't come back for Game Two, right? It's different kind of mindsets. So I can understand people being, you know, really surprised by that move because most normal people wouldn't do that. They wouldn't think to do that. But for in Mike's case, it was something that he really. It seemed like he really wanted to just get out of. Yeah, get step out. Of the the whole system, just for a second, and it seemed like almost that's like a way for him. That was a way for him to recharge a little bit, uh, just by not having to concentrate in those moments, focusing on the gambling, the act of gambling, and being in the moment, as opposed to having to concentrate about everything else that's going on in his life, including the game, including his you know his fame and all that stuff. I get it too. Yeah, I. But it, it's still alarming. It, you know, if it's any sport, if Tom Brady did that, people be like, "What the fuck." So it's, I'm not surprised that there was shock and people were a little upset that he did that.
0: It's more of the, what I'm talking about is more of like everything that he did in his life was, was a gamble. He didn't play anything. If it wasn't a gamble when they're on the plane there, it's, it's, uh, you know, will produce said we had our dollar games in the front with me, BJ and John, and they had the high stakes in the back with Ron Harper, Randy Brown, uh, Scotty, Scotty playing the big games the golf every every time he played golf $1000 a hole whatever it was and he kept track of all of that if it's in the locker room he's gambling yep so there's, I mean, you're either a gambler or you're a de- or you're a degenerate gambler. And a degenerate gambler is one that can't afford to do it, right? Sure. But does it constantly. Sure. Michael definitely had the means to do it, right? And he could do it whenever he wants because the, the funds are – but that doesn't mean that you're addicted to gambling. And I thought Mike's cop-out was saying I'm addicted to competition. I love the way he put it like that. Sure.
2: But I find it really weird. That's what most gamblers would say. That's I think most gambling a- addicted addicts...
0: Addicted to competition? Most
2: gambling addicts would be like, I'm addicted to the thrill of watching the win or loss. You know, not so much that I have to win money or lose money. I just... That's that's exactly what most... <laughs> I feel like most uh, gambling addicts would say. Okay, so, so like, if you're an they, alcoholic they and you're, it like, it you're like,
0: I'm not an alcoholic. I like to have fun. So I'm addicted to having fun.
2: Yeah. You know? I mean, I guess it's a little different lens from alcoholic to to gambling um i mean that's a whole that's a whole nother thing i think the the reason that it's not clear that he's whether or not he's a gambling addict is because he has so much money like we don't know if he's up or down in his life like i'm sure he might be you know aware of how much money he's lost and or won over the course of all the different gamblings that he's done but we will never know because his income offsets that loss so maybe he doesn't keep track of it but you're absolutely right. Like in the instance where like all the excuses that he gave is like, well, I haven't lost my house. My wife hasn't divorced me. Those are all like really good, crazy. No, but they're also really crazy things to consider as to like, that's how bad it has to get for you to be a gambling addict. No, it doesn't have to be that bad for you to be a gambling addict.
0: And him like, getting these golf games with these shady ass people that's my point. and then having to cut a $57,000 check. Like, come on, Mike, why can't we just play for fun? Like you couldn't be Michael's friend. Sure. If you, if you weren't
2: about that life, it's funny. Cause golf is already hard. It's a very difficult game. So to just beat somebody at golf should be thrilling. Like they, there's a, there's just,
0: a, yeah, just to shoot better. How than about if you guy? beat them
2: every hole and you're just like, I oh, got a birdie on that one. You got a par bitch. I got you. Like, and it
0: just looked like, it, and it's funny because even when they, uh, phil gave them it was a week before the finals started and phil they all went to the golf course right that's when robin's like no nah, i'm going to hooters i like their wings yeah and everybody else went to go play golf but it was like michael was keeping track Nah, that's a 29 nah, that's a 40 dollars
2: hole you owe me 40 on the nine right you know like why do you need my 40 bucks that's the thing so that's that's the part in me that if, if it was truly about competition then competing in golf would have been enough it right. wouldn't have to be winning at golf. It would wouldn't have to be also. I won a hundred thousand dollars off Scotty today. Like but
0: even magic said, like he wanted the, he wanted to know that he had your money. In it his had to pocket. matter.
2: Like for some reason, I know, it, but- it's the dominance factor. I mean, the, the, the thing about it is, is like, you can't separate these two things um, and, and still get Michael's greatness. Like the, the drive that he had, the competitive drive gambling or not is what made him the greatest basketball player that ever walked. Like, so without that drive, we don't get the Michael that we have. So if gambling is, is an outlet for him, but he still has that competitive drive to make him determined to be the best player to ever play basketball, then so be it. Like it it, it could be a lot worse, I guess is, is your point, right? He didn't choose uh, drugs. He didn't really, I mean, he's he's definitely drank a lot of alcohol in his life, but I don't think he would consider himself alcoholic, but you know, I would be now for, of the vices for him to have, this vice is legal. Like, how many times have we heard of sports figures that have fallen down to illegal drugs, um, or illegal activities that end up in jail? There, everything that Mike does, I mean, um, for the most part, I, I, I think, you know, maybe uh, the IRS would have some issues with the fifty-seven thousand dollars being exchanged on the golf that's course.
0: That's just the one. That's what they saw for one. What they found. My
2: point being, like, the majority of the stuff that he did was legal, right? right. So it's really we can argue whether or not he was a gambling addict, but in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't fucking matter.
0: It's 100% obvious he's a gambling addict, okay? There's no way around that. Yeah. Yes, he's an addict. Was he? What he was doing was illegal? Probably not. Not too sure the NBA would be happy to know that there's thousand, tens of thousands of dollar games going on. Yeah, NBA I don't playing. think those are
2: sanctioned games, <laughs> definitely uh, sanctioned not. bets. They're but, definitely not. Right.
0: Um, And even like the, one of the vibes that I'm getting from this, and again, this is about... the the last dance, the final championship solely based on Michael Jordan and his, his, you know, career and whatnot. But, like, he threw a lot of people under the bus, too. Mm -hmm. Like, in that first episode calling out the cocaine circus in the locker room Mm -hmm. or when he went to the hotel room and he saw all the the vets doing cocaine and girls and booze, like, you just threw a lot of people on that 84 team under the bus. Mm -hmm. And our boy Craig Hodges, who we'll get into in a minute, who's been – uh, on almost every outlet this past week. We got him second. Chris Broussard beat us for one day. If you haven't listened to that episode last week, you should listen to it. It's epic. Um, he even said, like, what about the, the 13-year-old kids whose dads played on that team? And, like, were you one of those guys doing coke? You know what I'm saying? Right. And then the epic stories of, you know, Michael literally fighting his teammates. Yeah. There has been there were rumors. Oh, it was Will Perdue, uh, you know, uh, uh Steve Kerr Steve Kerr I always want to say Scott Siles got hit and then like Will Purdue comes out today on an interview with Scott Burrell and he was saying that this happened all the time right those are just the ones you heard about so the fact that Michael's kicking people's asses in practice is yet it's an it's an offset of his competitiveness right that we're that is his addiction he's addicted to competing right that he's willing to fight his teammates his own teammates right yeah and the thing that rubbed me the wrong way about that is, like, is that what we're teaching our kids? Like, if you're going to be as good as Michael Jordan, you got to kick your teammates' ass if they're not doing what you want them to do. Yes, Michael is cut from a different cloth. The simple fact that he can drop 44, then go gamble, then play 32 hole, 36 holes of golf, and then go back and play again. He's a different kind of beast. Mm-hmm. But what do you think about those stories? And then the snitching, on the other hand, who's given the media, which looks like Horace Grant, who swears he didn't say that shit.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, Michael
0: even said that was
2: Horace saying the stuff. Well, it, it it's pretty clear that a lot of people think it was Horace Grant that was the one that dropped the knowledge. For Yet the, another player for he threw Jordan under the bus. Rules. What I heard actually after the fact was that uh, Phil Jackson was a kind of a key uh, person in in the Jordan rules, and they got a lot of information from him. I don't know where'd you hear that. I I heard that on um, on one of uh, another podcast, I believe. So. Uh, but I heard that Phil Jackson was a contributor to the book and not necessarily like in in a way of, of trying to bring Michael down, but just in like, sure, if you're writing a book, I can give you some some like our perspective on how it went. But anyway, I do think the thing that that for me that stands out as you talk about it with all these different players is the, the fact that Michael really is kind of a vengeful guy, like he holds grudges. Like grudges with him are a real fucking thing. Like, you talk about punching punching people in the faces. Like everything it seems like everything that he did was with this intense this intensity level that was uh, in a lot of endeavors not needed or not like not wanted. So even even in friendships we see that with you know like we're gonna get into Isaiah um, and then also with Charles. I mean like Charles Barkley and and and, Matt and and Michael were really really good friends, and then Charles just off the cuff kind of. Um, it doesn't necessarily speak nicely of the way that Michael has run the Chicago or the, uh, the Charlotte Bobcats. And then Mike is just done with Charles and like, they don't have a relationship anymore. Is that true? Yeah, that's, that's very true. Uh, Charles Barkley said that they haven't been in contact for since he said that. That's
0: so fucking petty. And so
2: that's, that's the weird part about Michael, it, it, you know, more than the gambling or anything else that I have is this, this weird, you know, vengeful, um, Grudge holder like that. That's the part that I'm. I know that he probably just as a guy like struggles with all the time is like if he's constantly angry at people like that's just not healthy, bro. Like <laughs> and 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 to be matter of fact, he hasn't done well uh, at, at all as an owner of the Bobcats. It's facts it's or truth. of the Hornets now. Like he's he's done terribly, and so it's unfortunate that that's the, that's the case. But that is the the truth of it. And, it's and so if like... you're gonna be mad at Charles Barkley from spitting facts um then like what what else are you going to get mad about are you get mad about like if someone i see this is like so i i know i'm I'm mentioning a lot of different things but what i heard was part of the reason that that Michael Greenlit i think people have heard about this now as well part of the reason that Michael Jordan greenlit this documentary was was right after LeBron won Cleveland the ring in 2016 so it speaks to Michael's kind of personality that it's like now we're gonna go hold on to this documentary until maybe someone else comes around, or this LeBron James kids people start thinking that he was better than me, and so he wants to release it now to set the record straight, to remind everyone in the middle of LeBron James' career, well, towards the end of LeBron James' career, that I'm the goat, I'm the one that's the best. That was and literally that's the crazy. Nec- that's the crazy thing about Mike.
0: That was my next note is saying that. Like, that's how cocky do you gotta be to sit on this footage for twenty years, always say no, 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 and then once. The, all the talk, which was two summers ago, like, who's the GOAT? Who's the GOAT? Is LeBron won. You know, Mike's too after that crazy playoff run that LeBron had. And then Michael greenlights it. Yeah. It's a great point to make, dude. I just find that you're so right with that. Like, first of all, it's Charles Barkley's job to report on the NBA now and not to sugarcoat shit. I would look at Charles Barkley completely different if he said, you know what, top three owners in basketball is Michael Jordan right now. <laughs> the, this is the fact, Mike. You're not good at right. it. Right. You, it's
2: okay to be not good at something. Not right? in Michael Jordan's book. But the way he looks at it is he's making the bread. Right. You know? I, I actually don't know. I mean, it's, it'll be interesting to see if if Mike does any interviews after this is released. Because I would imagine that, like, fucking 60 Minutes would want Michael Jordan. Like, everyone is going to want, you know, maybe his take on how it was released, how it was received. And then we'll see if actually anybody over the course of his life is able to get some sort of feedback from him about how he thinks he's doing like, I would be interested in watching that documentary. Like, The Last Dance. Friends of
0: Michael Jordan. Who's his real friends? <laughs> yeah, right.
2: Bring Buzz yeah. Peterson
0: back or whatever the hell. He doesn't have too <laughs> many.
2: He doesn't have too many. I'm sure he's got plenty of friends. But, like, you, you hear what I'm saying. Like, they're, they're, Michael Jordan is so intriguing that this Last Dance episode that we're, the or documentary that we're watching is 10 episodes. I would watch another 10 episodes about what happened to Mike after he retired. Because also, for all those years, he was real quiet. Like, we only heard or saw from him on rare occasions when he wanted to show up and pop up and do something. It's because
0: he's one of those dudes that's untouchable. It's like the fucking president, right? Yeah. It's like like a god. It's like seeing – like, you're not going to see Prince at the fucking – at the mall shopping. You know, Mike, he can't do that. Mike can't do that. The Beatles couldn't do that. Right. And I thought, you know, when he said, I'm exhausted from this lifestyle. Like, he didn't really want it. Right. But – you know he, somebody had to do it, and Mike was the best person to do it. Um, to Isaiah, right? Really quick. Sure. I'm saying it's a hundred percent bullshit that Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, and Larry Bird had nothing to do with Isaiah not being on the team. They could say whatever they want. Mike, Mike said, "Oh no, I didn't have a hand in that." Magic said, "Nope, I didn't have a hand of that." Bullshit. It's actually been documented that you have said that. And, again, this comes back to the animosity. There is no reason Chris Mullen should be on that 92 team instead of Isaiah. There's no reason John Stockton, I could see it, I can understand it, should be on that team over Isaiah. Isaiah won two in a row, 88-89, 89-90, right? And then Mike came in and won Hit. That means there's one year removed from winning two chips. Right. And all this aggression that Mike had towards his teammates and all this shit, that's the same shit the bad boys were doing. Right? Did it, did did Michael not like getting hit? Did Michael not like the physicality? Did Isaiah fuck one of his girls? Did something? Is is that? Why did you say twenty years later, I still hate him? I, I think he's the second best point guard of all time, as much as I hate him. Yeah. Where's the hate coming from? Right. So there's no reason Isaiah shouldn't have been on that team, except for the guys saying we don't want to play with Isaiah. And they Mike brought up the camaraderie on the team. I think. Isaiah plays this off really well. I compare Isaiah and Chris Paul very well because they look like the nicest guys in the world. Their smile lights up a room. Seems like they're friends with a lot of people. Maybe Isaiah was that asshole,
2: you know? Yeah, it's pretty clear that, I mean, they did a good job of documenting that he had pro- issues with everybody. I mean, that's the thing. It wasn't just his relationship with Mike. Uh, him and Magic had gotten into their whole thing. Like, I do think, the- I think very much Isaiah was also an asshole. I
0: believe that. Yeah. Just like Michael, they're cut from the same cloth. You know and and Isaiah was the one beating everybody's ass mm-hmm. be, beating Larry's ass beating Michael's ass beating everybody's ass yeah and they, he had his time to shine he did yeah I just felt it really odd and I, I, I could still see it in his eyes when he says like I wanted to be on that team I think based on the fact of everybody on that team had you brought Isaiah it wasn't gonna be like the Stephon Marbury problem that they had in whatever that was oh oh eight oh six whatever that was yeah um Isaiah probably – they probably could have built a better relationship together. I don't think Isaiah is going to come in
2: and ruin that team. Well, that, see, that that's the thing. Like, there's a reason that Larry and Magic and Michael and whoever else didn't want him there, right? It, I think that's the point that I'm trying to make is that it wasn't just one guy that was like, yo, I don't like Isaiah. He shouldn't be on the team. Everyone was like, yeah, that's a good idea. And this something that happened I think is very similar to – to the situation that happened with Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard had that one time when he was on the, the national team uh, for USA and at the, you know, the following um, Olympics or whatever it was, they were like, yeah, we don't want, we don't need Dwight on the team. And so, you know, from that perspective, if you have four or five of the best players on the team saying we really don't want this guy here because it is going to be a chemistry issue, not really a playing chemistry issue on the floor, playing basketball, but like a team chemistry issue, then absolutely. I think the, I think the, the most interesting part about this is that Isaiah's coach was the coach of this dream team. Chuck Daly mm-hmm. was, the, was the head coach of the dream team. So, like, t- for, for, for you and I to sit here and think that Chuck couldn't have gone, well, fuck all of you, I'm putting Isaiah on this team – uh, he had that power. I'm I'm almost positive that he had the power to do that. He was the guy selecting the team, so I think for the 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 fact that his coach even realized that it might be a good idea to leave him off the team is is part of why it, this speaks volumes about Isaiah's character. I think it has
0: nothing to do with Chuck and has everything to do with Michael. If if it was between, because Michael said the first thing he asked, he, if Colangelo called him or whatever, who's playing?
2: yeah right and, and the and guy he, without asking knew who he was talking, talking about.
0: about isaiah and there's like no he ain't gonna be there cool
2: i'll play right
0: i think it was 100 percent mike and it mike this this many years down the road should just admit to it no so th- you,
2: I, i'm agreeing with that mm. what i'm trying to say is that i think that it wasn't just mike though right i think everyone else was on the same oh, page
0: I, magic and i don't think i i bet you larry probably didn't care but and, and it ends up that magic and 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 Isaiah, you know, used to kiss before games. So well, right.
2: They had a very weird relationship. They sure did. And it's still pretty strange. I mean, I, we, I remember that where they did, uh, like they, the NBA had that series where they were like rekindling those interviews with Shaq and Kobe, and they mm-hmm. did one with Magic and Isaiah. Like, even that was weird well you
0: grow up dude and you have you put the years behind you yeah i don't think michael can put any of that shit even if isaiah came to his house brought him a bottle of wine and said man i'm sorry you know michael would still be like fuck you isaiah that's my point yeah which is kind of weird and what's crazy doing some research on that dream team is like it was they weren't going to take isaiah right and it was between dumar's or Stockton so can you imagine the amount of what kind of diss that would be to Isaiah to have Dumars make the squad over you yeah that it worked out nicely to
2: have have that uh, Johnny Stockton be on there and I also
0: think they wanted some more white boys on the team that's why I think Chris Mullen was there that's why because I mean Mullen was great should he have been a dream team probably not but he was also a chemistry guy, you know. They didn't need anybody else, but their starting five. They could have ran their starting five the whole time. Yeah, it really didn't matter. I just think Isaiah got the shit end of the stick on that, and it had to do with um with Michael. And a lot of people asked too, like, why is Christian Leitner on the team? Just to why over Shaq. Christian Leitner was probably the most decorated college player at the time. He's coming off a national championship again. A white boy, and uh, it was a good look for them.
2: Yeah, it's funny to see Leitner in in that picture. It is. It's just, I mean, at the time, it's not so crazy because of everything that he had going on at Duke, and everyone thought he was going to be kind of like Dirk Nowitzki was in the NBA, and he just wasn't. Um, but it is. It's funny to see because, like, when when we were watching those, I do wish we we could get more footage of those practices in Barcelona, because uh, that may be some of the best basketball that's ever been played. And very few, if any will have had no will have had the opportunity to view it um, so that's something I wish but like you know I, I don't necessarily like to have to think about Chris Mullen as a just a commercial entity uh, trying to sell more USA nBA dream team gear but that's probably what it was i mean that's the truth of it Chris is a hell of a player and yeah. I think I think he played his ass off during those games, and I'm sure everyone respects him as a ball player but yeah, I would I would definitely say Isaiah is a better player. That's than what I'm Chris, saying. That's Mullen. the whole point. Right. You
0: can't come off two chips and a finals MVP and not get the nod to get on the team or at least an invite or a tryout or something. No. I don't know. I don't know cuz you know how they do now. They have the try. You get invited. 20 players get invited, then they select you, you
2: know? Well, yeah, you have to be on the team in order to get invited. Yeah, there's a whole process and they were still doing that shit then. So more to, to the
0: Vengeful Michael Jordan. Let's go one more case of this. Poor Tony Kukoc, as they would call him, Tony Kukoc. Okay, yeah, that was so funny. All the different pronunciations: <laughs> Tony of his...
2: Kukuch, yeah. Tony Kukoc, Kukoc.
0: And and like Tony doesn't even know these guys, right? Has this, no that idea. Was,
2: that was pretty gnarly.
0: And they that Michael, Michael hated Michael hated him because Jerry Krause liked him. Same shit happened with Thunderdam Marley. Like Michael had so much hate for Jerry Krause, who I feel and I think you'll agree. Is literally the reason why they have this amazing team. At least Jerry's out scouting. Now I understand Pippin's deal wasn't done, so Pippin took a little, you know, personal, personal. Yeah. But it seems like they took everything personal with Jerry. Yeah. Because they did not like him for whatever reason. Yeah. And then Tony, who doesn't even know these guys, has no idea. He's dealing with a war in his country. You know what I mean? Right. And then he comes out. He's hearing all this shit. Like these players do not like you, Tony.
2: Yeah, I mean that was pretty insane to to think that Michael and, and Scotty would go at a guy who was going to be their teammate. Like definitely going to be their teammate. I mean, I, I don't think he was drafted at that point. He
0: was drafted in nineteen ninety. Oh, he was. Okay, yeah. so
2: they knew they knew that he was gonna join the team. It that is that to me is the is maybe the the relationship that I want to explore the most, and I don't think we're necessarily gonna get to it, is like what happened between Michael and Jerry? Like what was the one thing?
0: It's the same thing we're asking about Isaiah.
2: Well, I think, but I... I What's so, the one thing? Isaiah's things are documented because at the very least, you can see what he did on the floor uh, and, you know, the the not shaking hands and, you know, the carrying on and, and the shit that he would say to the media. That's all documented stuff. And maybe there was... I'm sure there was some behind the closed doors stuff that we'll never know about between Isaiah and Mike or whatever. But I'm very curious about what it was that, that really ticked off Jerry Krause. And it seems like the only... It, with Michael, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be something small. <laughs> it can be it can be a small Anything. thing. So you know, but it's very clear that they were out to try and destroy any good idea that Krause had for some reason. Like it is just, it's so interesting to me because you're the the credit is due to to Jerry Krause for finding guys like Scottie Pippen and bringing in guys like Phil Jackson. He brought in Phil Jackson, yes. and, and Michael, you know, wanted only to play for Phil. So like. But also, Phil and Jerry Krause's relationship were obviously on the rocks and forcing him to leave. So I just, I wish we could get into more Jerry Krause. I mean, unfortunately, the focus is on Michael, and I think we're kind of, Krause had his time, and they went into that in the first couple episodes, but...
0: He couldn't speak for himself, though. That's
2: the problem, (laughs) is that, yeah, it's 22 years after the fact, and and that that guy's dead at this point, and he can't share his his point of view and and maybe the way that he thought Michael and Scotty had treated him wrong first or something like that. His
0: job is to build an organization in a team. And there is that once there's that one scene after they win the second chip. And Jerry says in the same sentence organization, organization, like nine times, I think that rubs Michael the wrong way, which is fine. But you know what? Toot your own horn too. You put this team together and somebody made a great point today. Besides Michael Jordan, everybody else on, on that and that, on those teams, pretty much, were from small ass schools. Right. You had to get recruited. You got to put the right pieces to the puzzle yeah. to make this shit work. The and
2: scouting was obviously
0: tremendous, tremendous, and going to Croatia and finding Tony, drafting him in 1990, saying, "We'll we'll hold you off."
2: Well, he said he took the money. Right, right he yeah. wanted more money. Right, sure.
0: He was making more money in Croatia, right. plus he was young, and obviously I don't think he was ready yet.
2: Yeah, um, and there was a war going on.
0: Yeah, there was a huge war, and he's got family there. Right. But then it turns out on the on those, on those the back end of those six chips, Tony's the third leading scorer on that team. Mm. He's a major contributor to that team, and it turns out that T- Tony and Mike and Pip all end up becoming good friends.
2: Well, because Tony's a fucking good-ass player. He's a great player. <laughs> he was a great player. He's good, man. And that's the shitty part about it is that you know it could have been a lot different, I bet. You know I'm, I'm sure Tony won them over after after that finals game, where he, he 26, yeah, he had a like really that. good game, yeah
0: you know, the quote was this we were this is from uh this is from Pippin. We were going to do anything we could to make Jerry look bad, right, right. like how fucking selfish is that?
2: Right, okay, and to me, honestly, I kind of get Scotty's perspective because Scotty did get screwed a little bit, right? like and we're not, I'm not going to say that it wasn't at least partially Scotty's fault. He kind of screwed himself a little bit, but so definitely Jerry did too. So I can understand Scotty's like real, pit, you know, problem with Jerry Krause. And maybe Mike did like Scotty so much that he just took that upon himself and say, you know what? Fuck this guy also. Or like you because said, I'm riding wants, with you. He
0: wants to find something right to piss him off. And a there it is. Yep, right. That's it. That's, the that's
2: it. Right. It's the Scotty thing. It is, it's crazy. <laughs> I saw uh, I saw a, a post after the last dance that came on Instagram that made me laugh. And, and it was simply uh, uh, stated, Jerry Krause says he loves the color blue. And Michael goes, "I will refuse to look up at the sky." <laughs> I did see. I refuse to look up I at the sky. I did see that. It's like, so fuck, true. man. Okay, Michael, you got to Do whatever, man. It, it's it's at, at that point the relationship was so frayed that it didn't. There's no. How could you possibly come back from that? And maybe he, j- they, he, after in that same in that same clip that you're talking about when when uh, Jerry says organization fifteen times, M- Michael is in that same clip going uh, cigar. Yeah, with the cigar, like, "Don't you shouldn't smoke that. It'll stunt your growth." Right? It's, it's like, fuck. What are you doing? <laughs> like jesus you guys just won a championship Can and you lay is, off of him this is what you're saying give
0: him a hug bro Holy do something shit, man and what's wild is flashing back to the to the to that to his last all-star game right where he wins mvp he, it's obvious this guy can continue, probably do a couple more, absolutely, if they wanted to. But Jerry was adamant from the beginning, like we're just gonna shut this shit down, shutting it down, because it's getting
2: way too to- toxic. We're gonna get our six chips, uh-huh. and I'm gonna ride off in the sunset. Well, so I think I think the thing about this is it's becoming more clear to me that it was Jerry kind of protecting himself, right, Phil. My, uh, Michael, Scotty, the whole team, and that was getting so much recognition and so strong and so powerful that he was going to lose his job. It became a us versus him, and he goes, well, I have the power to get rid of all you motherfuckers and keep my job, so I'm going to play that card. Right. I'm going to get rid of all of you before Reinsdorf wise, you know, wises up and says, wait, 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 we're going to get rid of all this for you? For you? All right. You're gone, right? So I think you know a little bit will be... Um, as, as this goes further, I think this is going to lead on to the fact that Jerry Krause was really pushed up against a wall here and, and definitely tried to save his own neck by going, Oh, well I can redo it. I can do it again. Just give me do different players. I let me build it up again. I'll do it. I'll, I'll do it one more time.
0: I have one last question, not one last question, but one last thing that pissed me off was where the hell is Craig Hodges? Okay. We just did this great interview with Craig last week. And again, He's gone on all the media outlets this week, kind of just calling out Michael because we, we put Michael on this pedestal. We do. And I have and I still do. But the stories that are coming out from his peers and that we've heard and we've read about and we've spoken to some of his peers about are true. Like Craig Hodges, who was a, a, a contributing member on that 91 team and that 92 team three-point champion of the of the NBA, not one highlight, not one clip. He's not even seen, dude, right. not seen. And it's been very well documented, and Craig will be the one to tell you that Michael Jordan is the reason I'm not in the NBA anymore. Craig was blackballed because Craig was – I'm not going to compare him to Muhammad Ali, but he was the, one of the first NBA athlete-activists. He was, and he spoke up. And the thing about Craig, you guys should read his book, Long Shot. The thing about Craig is he always, since the beginning, wanted to use his platform to bring up injustice that's going in the African-American community, the minority community, but mostly the African-American community. And at that time in the early 90s, and you can see, like they even documented when Mike wasn't going to endorse the black uh S- Senator, it was one of the one of uh, the I think it was a congress congressman, I believe yeah, he refused to to do that, and Michael's been notorious for not taking stances politically because of his his agenda as far as a global brand. I understand it from that point, but Craig was blackballed because he had asked michael and pippin and and Horace who he was friends with he was they were free they were all friends. They wanted to take a stand. Craig wanted to, let's boycott game one. Let's bring uh, eyes to our problem going on. This is right in the Rodney King. This is right when Rodney King happened. That shit happened in April. The finals happen, happened in May, right? Um, a bunch of shit was happening in, in our world, and Michael wanted no, no parts of it whatsoever. And, and then what happened was they lied on this on, uh, on the last dance. You know they win that first chip they go to the White House. Nobody ever talks about Michael not going to the White House. They say he was playing he wanted to play golf. That's bullshit. Michael said, "Fuck Bush, I don't want to go." And that's quoted. Like, "I don't fuck with Bush, I'm not going." Craig goes to the White House with an agenda. He has an eight-page double-spaced letter that he wanted to give to the president, George George W. Bush. Um talking about the injustices that's going on in the world. And he was took really great pride in this letter. He wore a dashiki to the white house. Yeah. Right. And which is ballsy in itself, but that's been known. Like he's been known to wear that dashiki and I want to, can I read, I'm going to read something to you. Sure. You got the, the beginning of Craig's letter goes like this. And this is just one paragraph, but this is how, this is how it starts. It says, dear Mr. President, This letter is not begging the government for anything, but 300 years of free slave labor has left the African American community destroyed. It is time for a comprehensive plan for change. Hopefully this letter will help become a boost in the unification of inner city youth, and these issues will be brought to the forefront of the domestic agenda, okay? That's, this guy's, I got chills saying this, right? A man using his platform and where he's at to try to change something for the betterment of his people. And because of that letter and how outspoken Craig was um, and Craig had this grand idea of like he wanted to get Michael and Nike to start opening factories here in the USA. He would bring up to to Michael all the time. You know that that there's underage kids making your shoes for a dollar a day, you know. Bring them to North Carolina. Bring them to your neighborhood. Scotty, we can put one in Arkansas. We can put one in Chicago. Let's employ our people and let's make your shoes here in the United States. And Michael and David Falk wanted nothing to do with that, obviously, because it attacks your bottom line. And then after winning two championships and being, you know, three point champion three years in a row, he doesn't get a call back from the Bulls, never hears from anybody again. Yeah. How fucked up is that,
2: man? It's pretty crazy. Um, and don't
0: be. And he's not called for the last well, dance yeah, at all. He's
2: like the only teammate that's not interviewed. I mean, they got Will Perdue on there. You said that. Like, I mean, granted, Will got punched in the face, so that's probably his big call, to, you know, claim to fame. Um, I, I don't. I want to. I want to frame this carefully because I don't. I don't know a whole lot about that. You know that how that would even happen to somebody, right? The the story that. I'm familiar with is that after after their visit to the White House, Phil Jackson was going to release him. They, they the, the Bulls were going to release Craig, and they didn't want him on the team anymore. Who knows what started that? But you're alluding that that you know maybe his meeting and his agenda is what started that. And the I saw that Phil was even surprised by the the, the lack of interest in a 32 year old guy who's a sharpshooter who can still definitely play. And still be a valued member to any organization, and literally one of the top three-point shooters of that era, without a doubt. I mean, he led the league in three-point percentage. He wasn't just a three-point contest shooter. He led the entire league in three-point shooting. Shooting forty percent. Yeah, 49%. 49%. forty-nine percent. Forty-nine point one percent was his best, uh, and that was the best in the league, I believe, in '89. Um, and so, there there has to be something that went on that we are not aware of. Uh, that Craig can speak to. Uh, hopefully we can get his take on that if he wants to, to go into it longer. It's definitely in his book, mm-hmm. so I, we do encourage that you read that. Um, but I, I can't really, I don't understand how that could have all gone down without being blackballed. Like, that's the, that's the craziest part about this. And, and you know, um, to play devil's advocate, uh, we've seen this happen with a couple different people that just get pigeonholed as, you know, this is not a good guy for the locker room. He's not a good guy for the team. It's it's all the negative press guys. So we've seen that happen in all different sports. I mean, for a while, like Terrell Owens, I think, is a good uh, person that I've not, – not necessarily from the political activist standpoint, but from um, the off-court stuff being too much for teams to handle or, or being a detriment for a team to have off-court stuff. I think Colin Kaepernick is a good example of that as well. It's like, okay, yes, you, you still have the athletic ability, but for whatever reason – the organization and its entire association don't really want to fuck with you anymore (laughs) because you're too much. We've all deemed you as too much for whatever reasons. And I think the unfortunate part for Craig was that his reasons were founded. And he has, he has, uh, he has been very well educated on these topics. He, he went to school and studied this and obviously through his own life, he's lived versions of this and, and has had stories passed down to him, um of the wrongdoings that this nation has done to the African American people and you know I think we kind of all sweep that under the rug sometimes um but it is unfortunate because this guy did stand for something and he did decide to use his platform for the betterment for his for what he viewed as the betterment of his of his community this and is... and we 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 unfortunately didn't get to see him play any longer after that because of that and I don't think I mean as much as I'm okay with players not being involved, like, I don't really doesn't bother me so much that Michael wasn't politically active. Um, and I understand that's, that's your right. As an American, you have the right to be, uh, as active or non-active as you want with, with politics. But I also feel like punishing people for, for taking that chance and being bold enough to say, you know, this is something that I think is incorrect. Something that can be a wrong that can be righted in a, in a way for, for someone to have that be thrown against them is completely un-American And that's the unfortunate part.
0: The difference is that when Craig did, he was criticized for doing it. If LeBron or these players don't stand up for it now, they're going to get criticized for not standing up. Well, that's why I'm saying it's it's
2: okay to do either way because you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, right? If LeBron... Let's just say Michael comes out and and supports that senator. He's going to get a lot of blowback from people that don't support that senator or think that he's going to use his influence to try and manipulate the system, right? So, it, and the same thing if like LeBron comes out and speaks about China and you know this summer, um, and we were upset with the way that he delivered that speech, but he also could have chose to not speak. And a lot of people were like, "Why did you take right. so long to speak?" So, like, it it really is it's a zero sum game for these athletes, and it's just unfortunate that one of the freedoms that we give to everyday individuals as Americans are sometimes stripped from those that have, you know, aspirations to be a part of something larger.
0: I totally agree with you. I think it's bullshit and you guys should all read his book. Long shot. Uh, Craig Hodges. It's great. Hopefully we can get him back on the show. I'm glad to see he's doing really good and people are reaching out to them because they're noticing it like we're noticing it. You know what I mean? And all I'm thinking about is Michael doing this documentary and for whatever reason saying, Cool, but Craig Hodges can't be in it. That same way that like Isaiah can't play for doing this. You know what I mean? That's what I'm seeing because you don't even see a clip of him, a clip of anything shooting a three yeah, and assist. Not, yeah, he's
2: he's not in the documentary
0: <laughs> at least as right now. I mean, maybe, but I I don't see it. because well, now because no, now
2: we're beyond the, we're in, those first two championships. Facts. So he's not. I don't think he's gonna be in it.
0: Facts. Um, th- and this wasn't a rip sesh on Michael Jordan, but this is just going off of. This is why Michael said you're going to think I'm a horrible person. And he he had a, a counter to everything that was said to him, you know, mm-hmm. and I think he had a, he he thought his answers out very well. Mm-hmm. I just think he I, I think he was a little gray on a few things.
2: Well, look, you know, like you said, we've been we've put Michael Jordan on a pedestal since the 80s. Uh-huh. He's been on this pedestal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an, it's just it's ridiculous to put anybody on that pedestal. If you look deep enough at anybody, you're going to find something that you don't agree with. Uh, their behaviors, their actions, whatever it is. Some people may not like Michael Jordan or m- like this aspect of him, but this does not tarnish anything for me thus far. If you live in a glass house, don't throw any stones. It's like all of us are judging this guy and his flaws and his vices. We all have our own shit. Facts. So... I you know it's when
0: you're that good and that perfect and held on that right. we're looking for something especially the media or the fans and they w- that's why they went with the gambling thing. Yeah.
2: I still yeah. like Michael as a yeah. person. Yeah, we love you. I I, I don't know if I want to hang out with him. No, cuz I, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough money and he's going to make fun of me the whole <laughs> time. Make fun of me the whole He's going
0: to just brag on me forever. <laughs> you're like yo, you look like 6 seasons I, Tony Soprano. I, I know, bro. I don't like taking L's that much. <laughs> just Well, supposedly like he won't finish playing with you until you take until the L. you lose. So, so that's right. just how it goes. Exactly. And if that that whole story about Jamal Crawford, what kind of man? Did you hear the Jamal Crawford story? Mm-mm. They're doing a a shooting contest when when uh, Jamal was a rookie. Um, they're doing a shooting contest, and Jamal just keeps losing. Like they're betting thousands of dollars, and Jamal wants to win one, so he puts his. Uh, he's all you can get my I'll put up my new car. I think it was a vet or, so, or or something like that. Michael's like, I'll put up my Ferrari. Right. Michael wins, literally takes the plates off and takes off with his car, took the rookie's car. Did it like what kind of dude does that? Absolutely. Michael does it. Yeah. Michael fucking does it. And, you know, Jamal's probably sitting there like what? The, I just lost ten thousand dollars and
2: my only whip. Yeah, I bet he didn't. I didn't. I bet he didn't gamble with Mike anymore. <laughs> he did it, dude. Unless he was the guy that tried to win it back.
0: You got to be a savage, and that's one thing I'm taking from this. Is Mike is just a savage, and then there's that small part of you that does feel sorry for him because he was so famous and could not be normal. I don't think that's what he wanted with his life. Um, and you know, a lot of people will tell you that it's lonely at the top, and it sure as hell looked lonely.
2: Yeah, sure. Well, as hell. He was just at the. He was at the fulcrum, like this absolute convergence of like media and sports all took off right around this time alongside with his career he Mm -hmm. was a part of it but it all happened like sports center became a thing like as he was going through these years and you know basketball shoes became a thing sports coverage expanded and became its own industry Mm -hmm. i mean you have all of this happening while he's the greatest basketball player on the planet i mean the same thing happens you know in in all the different sports you had different guys through, through football and baseball and all these guys that were part of this crazy, uh, gold rush of sports media that happened during the eighties and nineties. And he was absolutely the face of it.
0: All right. So either way, I'm super looking forward to what do we got? Seven and eight this Sunday. Yep. And you know, we're going to talk about that. They're probably going to dive into the passing of Michael's dad and then the retirement, right? Which which should be, should be really interesting and probably really tough for Michael. Cause I know how much he cared about his pops. Um, like we all do. Uh, we got a pretty cool interview for you guys. It's our homie, uh, Mikey Domagala. The name might not sound familiar, but his brand, official NBA buzz, 2.5 million followers through all of his platforms, very active on Instagram. We're going to talk about how you build a place. He's 21 years old, dude. This guy's killing it. I'm going to talk about how to build your brand, what to do if you're trying to market yourself and what it takes to actually get 2.5 million followers and monetize it. This is Mikey. All right, what up, everybody? We got our boy Mikey Doma-Gala with us, owner and operator of NBA Buzz, NBA official NBA Buzz. Excuse me, this guy runs a great page, a great Facebook page. We're just gonna sit back, talk some hoops with you guys, Mikey. First question: How did you get started, man? You you, you look like you're 12. When did when did you start?
3: I may look like I'm 12, but I'm 21. Just turned 21. I started in 2012 when I was 12. Oh, shit. Oh, there it is. Um, yeah. So I started, you know, I was trying to join other Facebook pages. I started NBA Buzz on Facebook and, you know, I was 12 years old. I'm trying to join these pages where everybody's in their teens or into their 20s. They don't think I know anything about basketball. They don't think I know how to run anything, manage anything, which I didn't. So it was all a work in progress, and I said, to hell with it. I'm going to do it on my own. And I started an NBA Buzz, and I haven't stopped since January of 2012. Wow,
0: congratulations, man. That's awesome, brother. Um, so I was, that was my next question when did you start? So obviously 12. Um, did you, you, do you create all your own content?
3: Yes, I, everything is me. You know, I'm, I'm basically the only guy making all the graphics. Um, and you know like you guys, like everybody else, what you see on Instagram and social media, you know it's all content from the n b a and you know everything like that, but I put my own spin on it you know i I use Photoshop and Keynote and all those stuff to make my own graphics and do my own interviews so i'm I'm authentic with you know content from other outlets, and hey, that's everything that's the news comes from different outlets and everywhere else It's funny because
0: the hardest part to me that that I find is getting it out fast enough, you know, cause like one thing pops and you'll see it 30 different ways, you know, and then you try to do, and it takes a lot. Drew and I do everything ourselves too. And this stuff doesn't, this isn't something easy. You know what I mean? If you want to do cool graphics and you want to make your stuff, like I know every time you post that that is a buzz post, you know, cause it looks that's an, like that's
3: exactly the goal of why I make it like that. And mm-hmm. I, I love hearing that from you. And I've heard that from other people. And you know, I just, it's great.
2: So let me ask you, when you, uh, when you were 12, obviously basketball is, is something that you paid attention to enough to start a, a Facebook page. What inspired that? Are you a huge Knicks fan or are you just a fan of basketball in general? Like, did you play as a kid? Like how did, how did that all start?
3: Yeah, so you know, I had that, that conversation a few days ago with clips. You guys could probably hear my New York accent. Yeah. So yes, I, I, am, I am a Knicks fan. Uh, I've been a Knicks fan for a while when they sucked all the way through the mellow years and so they suck again right now. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So back, you know, back then I was into basketball. I remember first finals I watched. I mean, listen, you guys are a lot older than me. First finals I watched was 08 Celtics finals. That's oh wow. Yeah. Listen, man, like so much stuff has gone on before then, but sure. hey, that's, that was the first finals I watched. And yeah, I played basketball as a kid. I uh, played Played throughout middle school and high school. So basketball has always been great, and I'm a huge boxing fan. So okay. I figured I might as well start a basketball page because at that time, social media was not what it was now, as you guys probably know. There weren't pages. There weren't anything. So I figured, hey, why not? Might as well start a basketball page. Yeah.
0: So you being so young, uh, you know, what, what is your take on, you know, you obviously heard your dad has told you about Michael Jordan. Everybody talks about MJ, goat this, goat that. You finally get to, and mind you, this is during my heyday. I'm older than Drew. And now that you get to see, like, the magnitude and how great these teams were and how amazing Michael Jordan was, is it giving you a different kind of perspective? Being, Because I think <clears throat> with The Last Dance, it's going to show a lot of people your age, you know, that grew up on Kobe and Melo and, you know, LeBron, that they're actually going to see, like, how, how great Michael was. What's your take from The Last Dance?
3: Me personally, I've always been like a basketball boxing historian, so I dig into the old stuff. And here, talking basketball, I've always dug into MJ and, you know, I know everything that's going on in this documentary just because I've seen it. But you're right, for kids my age, they don't know everything like that. They don't know that the media was up his ass about being out and gambling before, you know, destroying the Knicks the next night. They don't know those deep, deep things that happen, which kind of aren't really talked about. You know, everybody knows his game winners, his six championships. But something that, you know, is evident is that people don't realize how good Ewing was, how good Barkley was, Elijah Juan, and all those guys, which, you know, they've touched on it in the documentary a little, that those guys didn't really win because of MJ. You know, Hakeem did because MJ was at the league. But, you know, the other guys, Patrick Ewing didn't win a ring because of michael jordan charles it's,
0: carl john Charles, Harry Carl, john, Dayton, all of these. them man
3: reggie all <laughs> reggie. of them so you know that's why like you know with social media out now and so big everybody's seen the mj highlights like i said it's just you know digging deeper is just eye-opening to a lot of different kids
0: you know drew and i kind of take pride in like we like to talk about the older players older players that we grew up on, you know, because they were like, it's kind of like me talking about Dr. J. Like, yeah, I know his history. I know everything about him, but we never got to watch him play. Like my dad will be the first one to be out. Dr. J was the one, you know, he was better than Michael, better than Kobe, better. Cause that's who he grew, you know, he grew up yeah. with. So it's interesting to get, to get your side of it and your opinion because you are only 21, you
2: know, mm-hmm. I look at, I look at you like, come on, dude, you know, but you know, your shit. Where do you have? Michael against LeBron. I know this is a different, like he said, it's a generational
3: kind of a topic. Mm-hmm. Do you have one or over the other at this point? MJ will always be number one, no matter what LeBron does. If he, if LeBron, eh, all right. I was gonna say if LeBron wins ten championships, he wouldn't be number. If LeBron wins ten champ, championships, he'll be number one. But the reason why MJ is always number one in my book and a lot of people's books, he transcended the game. He was way ahead of his time. He transcended basketball sneakers, fashion, and all of that, and becoming this sports, you know, worldwide sports phenomenon. So that's why MJ will be number one. Plus, if you, if you look at the stats, people like giving LeBron the extra credit. But if MJ played another couple of years, didn't retire in his prime, we know his numbers would have been through the roof. But they're and not, just to let you know, that didn't happen. Oh, hey, I and know, they, I know. And the
0: but, numbers, the number, hold on, the numbers are crazy for LeBron, minus the chips. The numbers are crazy. And talk about transcending basketball, this kid, LeBron, has lived up to the hype since he's been eight, 18 years Man, old.
3: I would not <laughs> deny that. Okay. i not denying okay. that. just throwing that out there. And I'm not saying LeBron yep. over Mike, but I like to give the point. Hey, that's just my opinion. But LeBron's number two. You know, he's right there. And right. To, in my opinion, top three, MJ, LeBron, Kareem, and Kareem doesn't get the respect he deserves. Agreed. I agree with that.
0: And again, like I'm especially during this time with no basketball, I am so over the goat talk and who's your five? Because Drew and I talk it to death. And like I'm tired of comparing people, eras, and basketball because that's all people are doing right now. Oh yeah. If I hear the word goat one more time, I'm I'm literally going to smack somebody.
3: So, so every, sorry to cut you off. Every Instagram live, you know, you see D Wade doing things. You know, you see all the, the Knuckleheads podcast, everybody, they always ask them, who's your GOAT? Who's your top five? You know, it's like every day, it's somebody new coming out with it. And it's just not, it, that'll just never end.
0: Explain this to me, because Drew and I, we pride ourselves again on putting out original content, coming up with original content, discussions, topics to talk about, really cool interviews to talk about. And we see these humongous pages with millions of followers and their basketball outlets that Obviously a lot of people are following them and it's hard for us. And I'm happy with our 3000 followers right now because those people mostly listen to our show. And that's basically what we're trying to convey is tell them that we are a podcast and also this really great social media page for you to, to engage with. What are some things that people like us or other brands that are listening? Cause we have a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, brands, dope brands, really cool brands that are trying to build their brand through social what are some things or some, uh, some, some traits that they can start implementing to build their audience?
3: Yeah, man, good question. You know, thinking out of the box is definitely the top one. Like, I've been doing that recently myself. You know, these big pages may post about something like uh, today, Chris Paul's birthday, right? Everybody's saying, oh, happy birthday, Chris Paul. But instead of saying happy birthday, Chris Paul, I have, you know, I already have the content made and ready to post later. I'm gonna dig deep and post about the video and the time he scored like 65 points in high school for his grandfather's birthday. It's a great one because nobody's covering that. Right. So I think taking a different angle on certain things and not posting the main thing is is one strategy. Two, I would say you know making the unique content, whether it's bringing your own style, like you you know you complimented my style and knowing it's an NBA buzz post, doing that. Yeah. And thirdly, if you can and you conduct interviews bringing in, you know, NBA players and people that people want to listen to. You guys had Craig Hodges. I mean, listen, that's, you know, he won those three-point contests, and, you know, he was an activist as well before activism was really this huge thing in sports. So, yeah, I think doing those three strategies, you know, there's a lot more you could, you know, do a lot of different things. Can't think off the top of my head right now, but those are three main ones I always tell people.
0: I, I totally agree with you. And I also feel doing these kind of things, you know, co-branding, yep. reaching out. And it's really, it's actually really easy because our circle is the same. Like we all know the same amount of people, you know what I mean? Exactly. And I think the influencer, influencer marketing is very, very important because a lot of the, I just think a lot of the stuff I'm seeing in I I know Drew thinks this as well is I just see a lot of corny shit, right? And I just see a lot of people just going for the likes. And when I see, a midget dunking a basketball off a trampoline, and it gets you know 1.7 million views, and then we post something that's super real, and it's Craig Hodges, and I'm getting 280 views. Like, what are what what are we doing wrong? Is it really the timing? And I'm not saying that happens for every one of them, because we mm-hmm. have shit that goes viral all the time. But like, do we need to be doing more Facebook uh, marketing and ads? And is it the hashtags? Is it like what what is the most important things to be doing.
3: I got you. Well, to answer the end of that, hashtags are definitely great for Instagram. Facebook ads, stay away from. I read something that if you buy Facebook ads, Facebook will show your stuff afterwards to less people so you're forced to keep buying. And it's a never-ending cycle. You know what I mean? Really? So that's what I learned about Facebook ads. But listen, I, got, I have the same problem, man. I got you know, 2.7-ish, 2.6 million followers combined. I do my Inside Buzz interviews. That's the banner I got behind me. And I find myself getting a few thousand views on YouTube when I connect the link and all that stuff. A few thousand views when I have millions of followers. It's, people want just controversial stuff going on. They want to see all, as you said, the corny shit. Listen, I agree. They, you know, this world, full of idiots in my opinion. They just want to see... All the stuff that's easy and just exciting. They don't want to see stuff that people put hard work into necessarily. And listen, it's just like the news. Um, what's you see more bad than good on the news? You know, it's that's the world we live in. So people are very selective with what they want to hear and click on.
0: It's it's crazy because, you know, four years ago, three, four years ago, I could post a basketball video and it get 75,000 to 100,000 views. Once Professor liked it and Bone Collector and a couple NBA guys, boom, it's viral. Now yeah. it's literally, like, I, I mean, shit, dude. It is so hard. Like, the new, the new 20,000 views is the 1,000 views now. Like, if you can get a 1,000 on a video, like, you're, at, you're doing it right. Because Facebook is making it way harder now. They figured out that you want to be front page of the LA Times, you got to pay, you know? And back four or five years ago, it was extremely easy. It just went off of likes. Seriously.
3: No, I I agree a thousand percent because think of, you know, since five, six years ago, how many people have joined Instagram? Mm -hmm. You know how many pages on a daily basis ask me the strategies that they could grow and stuff like that, how they could get started? In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, you're a few years too late. You know what I mean? You got to think of a different angle and a different spin to put on this stuff. I've been doing this for about eight years now. You're just starting in 2020, you know? So the market is so filled up that, you know, clips, that's, that's part of the reason that the 20,000, I mean, the, the 2000 is the new 20,000. Facts.
0: I wish they could see how much work we put into this stuff. Right. So we come up with the show. Drew drives an hour to get up here. We do this twice a week. We have great content. We record a great show. Drew goes home, spends a few hours. It could be longer editing, making it perfect. I'm working on the the, the art, the artwork and trying to get people engaged and, and look like hours. We're talking tens, tens of hours on some of this stuff. And oh, then, yeah. Then trying to learn like the new platforms, the waves, the, you know, the, all this stuff to create more content. TikTok, right? Yeah, I'm not doing that. We <laughs> refuse. Drew
3: and I refuse to do it. I'm not doing it. I refuse to do That's a
2: generational
3: thing. Oh yeah, no,
2: I agree, I agree.
3: Hey, I'm on it, it's just easy followers, (laughs) you know? I get
0: it, I get it. It is so easy, and yeah, we probably should be doing that, but we can barely keep up, right? And, you know, the other thing is, is I'm looking at all these, and I hate the word influencer, because everybody feels they're an influencer now, and it's like, this is going back to getting a post uh, viral or whatever, like one of those influencers will be like, if you comment thirty times with you got to comment thirty times the letter I right, and most of these yeah. influencers will do it, and you'll get a follow back. So they'll have 20, like ten thousand comments or five thousand yeah. comments, and
3: that's what makes their shit go viral. And to me, and and, and that's the definition of corny shit, as you would say. It's like come on, I, believe me, I know exactly what you mean. Exactly. Okay. You know, this is a weird time for the NBA right now. Obviously, we're in limbo.
0: Uh, we're all hearing the same kind of information. What, Where do you think this is going from, from
3: here? Man, you know, really tough position because the NBA and every other sports league doesn't want to resume because what if their players get sick or what if people die because of it? You know, this is real, real stuff. Death. You don't want to, you know, like I said, hop in at the wrong time. In my opinion, the NBA should just slowly start you know, opening their facilities like they're going to do over the next couple weeks. I just saw three teams are going to open on May 8th. Slowly do that, and I think just resume the season as soon as you can without the fans. You know, these NBA players, they want to get back on the court, so if they got to take a month or two off from their – not really, you know, from their families, but if they got to go, if they got to do something in Vegas or Disney and stay in hotels for a couple of months, that's what it's going to have to be. That's what it's going to have to be because – the longer we wait, the longer the history books are going to be different, and the seasons are going to start, you know, beginning later, and it's just all going to get mishmashed and all, all crazy. So, it needs to be resumed as safe as possible, as quick as possible.
0: So, uh, to, to to round this off, I want to know uh, what's next. What's next for you? You were you started this eight years ago. What is next? What are your goals? uh what's going to happen in the next give me your give me your five-year plan
3: five-year for nba buzz or for myself Uh, or or both well you want to keep this going right oh yeah we'll do we'll do both because i got a personal and i got an nba buzz plan okay so nba buzz plan you know keep keep uh the growth going you know the more you grow the more money you make and you know, it's just, I don't mind making the content. It's plenty of fun. It's great on my resume to show people what I do, engaging with all the NBA players that I have following me. It's just, it's a lot of fun on a daily basis. Who, follow,
0: who follows you right now?
3: Oh, man. Jan is followed last week. Then he unfollowed two days later. Oh, that's oh, messed man. up. Oh, I was sick to my stomach. <laughs> um, but listen, that shows the recognition I'm getting. You know what I mean? That shows that he's seeing my stuff and it's going places, which is nice. Uh, Carlos Boozer is always liking the stuff. Lamar Odom follows. Uh, everybody who I've interviewed on Inside Buzz follows. Nancy Lieberman. That was uh, cool. Got a lot of NBA followers, and it's it's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Wally Zerbiak, the Long, Long Island boy. Nice. He's about 20 minutes away. I, a lot of guys. So for me, yeah, NBA Buzz goal is to keep doing that and tied into NBA Buzz, keep doing my Inside Buzz interviews, which is just growing my resume and all that stuff. and long-term future plan for me five years you know become a journalist uh, a tv host and do something in sports whether it's a sideline reporter i love late night television i've been uh, itching to maybe get into that somehow it's, you know i've been following i've been looking at the path of jimmy kimmel he was n- never thought he'd be a late night host and i love late night television and who knows that's oh. awesome
0: it is awesome man and, and right now this is the time for for people your age to really you have all these different platforms where whatever you want to do, you can do it now. Like if you want, you can do a late night talk show from your house right now with that background, you know, same, same thing with Drew and myself. And, you know, you have just all these different outlets. If you're passionate about something, there's so many different ways to approach it. You just have to put in the work and you have to be patient, you know, with Drew and I, we're on our third season. We've come so, you know, we've done live shows. We've interviewed people we never thought we'd interview. and I think, you know, a lot of people think that this shit just happens overnight, and it does not. It takes time and it takes consistency and it takes patience and it takes creativity.
2: So, um, are you going to school right now for journalism and to try and, to, like, on the personal note, to, to try and attack it that route as opposed to just doing some freelance stuff on your own?
3: Yup. Yeah. No, this is all driving my career. I'm a, I'm a junior at Long Island University in Long Island, New York. Yep. And, uh, you know, just finished up. Uh, Going into my senior year, I had an internship at uh, SNY this past semester. Uh, You know, the channel that the Mets, the Jets, the Knicks, and everybody's on in New York. That's like the big channel here. So I had an internship there in the newsroom, and it was awesome. It really helped my resume, and I met a lot of people, and they fell in love with my background and what I do. And, you know, I'm hoping they could hire me at college. It's going to happen
0: for you, Mikey. Trust me. I think so too, man. I can already tell. So Let's keep the dialogue going. Let's keep the relationship going. Let's build. Let's put some stuff out. This was a dope interview. We really appreciate
3: your time. Anything you want to shout out real quick? Uh, yeah, you guys can follow me, whoever's listening, on Instagram at Mikey Domagala, M I K E Y D O M A G A L A, and also on Instagram at Official NBA Buzz. On Facebook, it's just plain old NBA Buzz. Twitter's Official NBA Buzz. And on YouTube, check me out, Inside Buzz with Mikey Domagala. My most recent interview with Etan Thomas, former MJ uh, teammate on the Wizards, gave me some exclusive stories, and that was awesome to talk about. Having Keon Duelling on next week, and we're going to chop it up about mental health in the NBA, his career with the Boston Celtics, and hey, you guys could uh, you know, stay tuned for that as well. Let me tell you
0: something about Keon Duelling, bro. If I'm not, I was at his first NBA game with the Clippers, and I swear to God, he dunked on Matumbo. His first game, if I re, if I if I remember correctly. Keon used to bang on people. I've been watching highlights when he was younger. I know.
3: <laughs>
0: I know. Keon I'm on the Clippers, for it. Keon on the Clippers was nasty, boy. So
3: Mikey, we appreciate you, dude. Hopefully let's let's do this again, okay? Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, guys, it was a pleasure meeting you guys face to face. Finally, you know. I got, I, got, I got to say it on air, Clips. I've been following you for years, all those freaking 24-hour fitness videos and your, okay. your, your fake passes, you know, everything. Call the Glitch, bro. It's The Glitch
0: Pass. 20 million views and counting, bro. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, man. So, guys, thanks again. Appreciate you, bro. We'll talk to you soon, all right? All right, hope you guys
0: enjoyed that interview. We're taking them out with a hot one today. My boy Bun B, blood on the dash. Turn this up, bang it. It's the follow through, Eclipse. Drew, Drew, we're
1: ghosts. Cat is just rolling through the hood. Known to act bad, but tonight it's all good. Just picked up a Michael Fick of that drove. Can't wait to get to the crib so I can blow. Half a mile away from the house, I hit Valero. Grab a couple packs of some Rillos and a Modelo. Roll one up and throw tobacco out the window. Pull out of the parking lot and fire up the endo. Inhale, goddamn big puffs of smoke. Exhale, now it's time to take another tope, But in the rear view, man, I can see me some headlights. Next thing, you know the fucking blue and the red lights These streets never have police patrolling them when they supposed to Now I'm looking for the Ozium Trying to stab the weeds away, he can't see That's when I realized that I got my pistol on me God damn There might be blood on the desk this school G.G. dance, both glass Man, I this last There might be blood old school DJ dance just both glass man for some men. I'm a part of the police force, but I don't walk a beat or ride on a police horse. In my patrol car, late night riding, working in the same community that I reside in. I saw the pain in the city and couldn't stand it. Crimes committed and no one was reprimanded. The conditions in my city was getting bad, so I hit the academy and walked away with a badge. I need to piss, so I stop at the Valero. I see a guy buying some switches and a Modelo. Please don't light it up to your home, that's what I'm hoping. That's where I I see him dump his tobacco and start smoking. i pull up right behind him and hit the lights. If he admit he got some weed, I'ma let him make it tonight. As long as it's no warrant and he's legal in the street. That's when I see him reach on his motherfuckin' seat. God damn I see the blood on the dead, I see the blood. So yeah. am a school teacher, I'm a man, man teacher, to the side trying to stay calm whole car smelling like fire straight napalm, I know my gun ain't got no bodies, got haters up off me but ain't shot nobody should I tell him I'm packing but ain't got no plex, or just let him find that hoe and wait and see what's next, what if he's a killer cop like I seen on the news should I shoot his ass first, god damn I'm confused, okay I checked his plates and they came back clean, but I still better call some backup to the scene I don't know what he was reaching for so I'm feeling nauseous, I just wanna make it home so i'm trying to be cautious got a couple of arrests but ain't no conviction get out the squad car and my adrenaline kicks in so not knowing if he's committed any prior harm i walk up to his car with my hand on my fire